Greetings, and welcome to Brace. On today's episode, I, Tommy, am going to be interviewing Michael Chevarella. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about personal virtues, specifically unity, authenticity, and friendliness. The definition of unity is the quality or state of being made one. It complements harmony, love, and peace, and transcends loneliness. We call Michael Chief, it's just a nickname from college, but... Michael, you exemplify unity as you always want people to come to the gatherings. You invite people from every clique you are a part of. You try to involve anyone and everyone in all you do. You are a great salesman because you can relate to people on a personal level. You break the barriers between groups and bring people together. So welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Glad to be here, Tommy. So the first question I wanted to ask for our listeners is give us a little bit of background on you. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Michael, but I also go by Chief as the nickname. So I met Tommy and Paul in college. We played Ultimate Frisbee together and grew a close bond and ended up becoming good friends. I lived with Tommy for two years. We've stayed very close. Tommy's going to be in my wedding coming up this year. Woo-hoo! So that's really exciting. But yeah, I grew up in uh, Northeast Ohio, not too far from the city that Tommy grew up in. You know, I went to the University of Akron, graduated with a marketing degree, studied business because didn't really know what I was good at. I just knew I was good at talking to people and making relationships. <laughs> and they said, oh, probably sales and marketing. So I went into there and graduated with a marketing degree, graduated during the pandemic, got a sales job and kind of moved around a little bit. And now I'm in a position that I actually enjoy doing tech sales. And then I recently bought a house. I have a fiance. So a lot of change going on in 2022 and 2023. So I got engaged in 2022, getting married this year. So a lot of things happening, but uh, it's been a very good time for my life, honestly. Like this last year has been super fulfilling and been happy to be happy to be alive. Yeah, I feel like I can resonate with that a lot. I moved out and moved to Kansas for my job and had a lot of changes. When you move and when you have those transition periods, like you guys moved back from Florida back to Ohio, right? be closer to family. There's similar thoughts in my own head, right? Like trying to be closer to family, even just this past week, grandparents having some issues, right? So being closer to home, being able to see my friends and family that all live here, it's important. But as you start making those changes, right, sometimes that change can get overwhelming and many things can kind of pile on top of one another. Right. But just, you know, that was a little bit of an aside. What has been, in a sense, Michael, your unifier journey? So how did you start to learn to relate to people, how to talk to people? Kind of just walk us through maybe high school and then, you know, how you developed further in college. Yeah, it's a big question that probably would take a couple parts to answer, but I'll do my best. Really, as I think about it, I think a lot of life starts in middle school when you kind of get out of like being a little kid, you start going through changes and... Specifically, when I went to middle school, so how our middle school worked is it was three elementary schools that combined into one middle school. So you're going through all these changes, going through puberty, adolescence, and then on top of that, you're throwing in new kids. And right away in seventh grade, you get there and they put you into two houses, basically like Hogwarts. And so you have all your classes, gym, lunch, basically with this house. And then the other house, you basically never see unless it's like an assembly at the school. So I get there and a bunch of my friends and basically everyone that I thought were my friends or cool people at my elementary school were in the other house. And I was in this house with a bunch of people I didn't know or people that I didn't really like so much from my elementary school. So when I think about my life, I think about like, you know, elementary school is basically like a blur. I was a kid. I don't really remember a lot of it. That's one moment in my life where I'm like, wow, that was different. And that was a challenge and that was a change. I had to make new friends 
right? And then I started realizing, man, those people that were the cool kids from elementary school, they weren't really my friends. You know, they were kind of just pretending to be my friend. So I started making real friends with... Real quick, I I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just... I guess, how would you describe a real friend? I think, you know, one of the things you mentioned is like relating to people. And I think a real friend is someone that you relate to on a, you have a personal connection with through it could be a different things like for us right it was ultimate frisbee sports you know our upbringing but then a lot of it too is like i don't know if i have a good definition for a true friend but i think it's someone that you can trust someone that you love almost close to family someone that you could spend a lot of time with and have an enjoyable time right yeah. and i also think too a friend in my opinion is someone that will go out of their way to do something with you or to be with you in a time that's not convenient for them and I think that's something I realize as you get older, especially you have friends that are not willing to do that. And then you start questioning, is this person really a real friend or not? Right. right. Yeah. No, that's a good question. But yeah, essentially, I, I think about that time a lot and a lot of different things happened. One of the things I ended up doing during that time was I joined the theater club and I started doing drama. And that was something that I was really scared to do. And my mom really pushed me to do it. And one interesting point that I think about, too, in terms of my unified journey, my friendliness journey, my authentic journey is my mom would always tell me stories when I was a kid, when I was a really little kid, that I was like the most outgoing person there was. Like I was like three or four years old and I'd walk up to all my uncles smoking a cigar on the back porch and be like, hey fellas, what are we talking about today? <laughs> you know, are we talking about the Browns or the Indians? Or like, So they were like, man, this is like, this kid is like just so out there. He was so outgoing and just would walk up to anybody and start talking to them. And I would have like full on conversations with adults when I was like six years old. But then as I went through elementary school and middle school, I became much more reclusive and much more shy. And definitely kind of put got put into the nerdy category. I mean, I had kids in eighth grade that were telling me to help me do their homework for them, like do their do your homework for me. Like it got down to a pretty dark place. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of times when I was at school or when I was doing things, or even later in life when I was at work, I, I struggled to be myself and be who I really thought I was being, with like that goofy, fun kid who liked to sing and dance. I never really could get that out. And theater was one of those things that I was able to do that in. So I think that really kind of helped me get to where I am. And then high school, the same thing. I did theater. Uh, I played tennis. I was a part of a bunch of national honor societies and did a lot of different things with a lot of different people. So I had friends that were in theater. I had friends in sports. You know, I had nerdy friends that were in national honor society. So I never really felt like I was part of one clique in high school. Um, Almost like a social butterfly, just being able to resonate with a lot of different people in different ways. Right. Yeah. A lot of people knew of me. And I think a lot of that was from drama. And I still have old ladies that would come up to me at Giant Eagle and be like, you were in that (laughs) one musical at Normandy High School. So that's kind of high school. And then I still, I think, felt like I I never really had a solid friend group in high school. I was kind of part of all these different cliques. I never really found people that were just like me. Uh, And that didn't really happen until college. And then in college, I met you guys. I met Tommy and then some of the other guys that I met through Frisbee and Paul. And, you know, we lived in this house together. I joined a fraternity and I met a lot of people that were that social butterfly, people that were smart, that cared about their grades, but also loved to be an athlete, loved to be outgoing, loved to go to the bar and dance like no one cares and sing karaoke, (laughs) right? There's just not a lot of people out there that are willing to put themselves out there at that level. And so once I was around other people that were like that, you know, you start to understand what I do like, what I don't like, and you become more comfortable with yourself. Um, Yeah. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention or I guess go back to. One, I think you had a great definition of what a friend is. I also have a little bit of a a theory about kind of tribes. And I think that through both the ups and downs, I don't remember what Marvel movie it was, but (laughs) me, you, Josh, and Nolan, we all live together. And 
we all after the movie had differing opinions on you, could call you know it that you can, you could call it that but the thing was we we had just started living together and this was in a sense kind of where everything was almost falling apart and it reminds me and it you know it sticks with me as we had all this kind of in a sense like friend honeymoon time you know when we went on our frisbee vacations when we were all together having fun but once we're all like, okay, now Frisbee's important, grades are important, being able to go out is important, it all kind of came to a head. And, you know, I'll take credit for my faults. I was definitely being a little bit pushy towards one of our friends, Nolan. And me and him have a very similar mindset in a way. We're almost too similar that we kind of butt heads at times. And again, it all came to a head. We're, we're sitting in the car and like, it's, I feel like it's almost, it came to almost tears. And by the time we got inside, you know, we kind of just said time out and we just, we aired out all the grievances. And so going back to my original kind of thought process was you build these relationships in these tribes and these groups. And, you know, we call ourselves three ID or fearsome fivesome. And I think the reason we do that is because we've, we've gone through both the ups and downs, right? And the people that are willing to go through that entire roller coaster ride with you, those are the people that you grow stronger and grow connections with. Yeah. The inside jokes that we have, right? Like even on the Frisbee team, the goon squad, like there's there's specific inside jokes that we kind of build and we, we're almost building our own little subculture in a sense. The other story that kind of resonated with me when you were talking about moving into college and now finding other friends, right? My dad always kind of told me high school is just high school, right? You just have one small subset of the population and not everybody wants to go to college not everybody has aspirations of going out and having fun and actually pursuing higher education so once you move to college now the ecosystem kind of expands right and now you have people from different cities and like you had mentioned being able to find that group of people that you can really resonate with that enjoy a lot of the similar things and are also just fun individuals right i think that's an important part of college that may be misunderstood for those that choose not to go to college. Yeah, I, I think that you could find great friends at any point in your life, right? And I think one thing that you know you mentioned about going through those ups and downs with friends, I think one thing I've noticed through a lot of different friendships I've had, I've tried to keep friendships that I've had from a very young age. And the truth is I actually don't have a lot of friends from when I was really young. I only have a couple people that I still talk to that I've known since elementary school, middle school. And so, like you said, it's like those people that are willing to kind of stick with you, it's it's going to thin out. And I think that happens to a lot of people. But there are a lot of people that meet a, have a really great group and they have that in high school and they can just have that. But then I think college... The thing is like you're still fully forming as an adult and as a human and so your personality never really changes or, or not it does change is what i'm trying to say so when you get to college i think a lot of people try to reinvent themselves you know when i started college i was like trying to be friendly and just be like this really outgoing person and it's tough because you're not sure who what friend group you want to get into there's so many people just kind of welcoming you in and all the like, different clubs which, which who should i choose so i kind of didn't choose a lot and i focused on school and I just did Frisbee and then I ended up joining the fraternity the next year, which was one of the best decisions of my life because it pushed me outside of my comfort zone the most out of anything that I've done. A lot of the videos that I'm seeing, I guess part of this is social media, trying to feed the good wolves, right? So a lot of the entertainment I watch is, is trying to push me and inspire me. But one of those 
had said that you always kind of want to be on the edge, right, of your comfort zone or pushing that edge because that means that you're growing. That means that you're getting better. That means that you're learning new things. And so, you know, that totally makes sense that that was one of the, you know, most important decisions you had made in your life. So, you know, when it comes to Frisbee or fraternity, what did you get out of those little subcultures or teams or groups or clubs joining ultimate frisbee was one of the greatest things because i was always loved sports i loved being an athlete but i was never the biggest kid right i was five six i wasn't the fastest the strongest so i was never really great at any sport but i love sports i love playing them the frisbee is kind of like that perfect middle ground where it wasn't a varsity sport but you know we still took it somewhat seriously we still had fun and it was still something that required athleticism so i got that out of it at a very basic level but then i met people that were willing to Put themselves out of their comfort zone right frisbee is not a sport that a lot of people don't come into college knowing how to play definitely so not. a lot of people come to the first tryout kind of just like oh i'll try it and then they're not good at it and then they back out so the people that stay are the people who are like hey i want to like learn something new i'm you know this is the the guys seem fun the atmosphere seems fun I'll, i want to give this a try and really push myself to do this so i think that's a unique thing that happened just with ultimate frisbee specifically but the fraternity was something completely different it was something that you know there's so many stereotypes about fraternity so you have no idea what to expect and you get in there and you realize that really what a fraternity is is it's almost like a a whole thing for you to follow it's like a set of values right it's a set of values principles there's all this volunteer opportunity all these things and you're kind of doing them with your your brother so to speak so it doesn't feel like work and you're actually growing so much more and exponentially versus if you're trying to do these things on your own. Do you think it just opens up more doors, right? Like opportunities, right? right. You, you don't have to do any or all of those things, but even just the opportunity to go with people that you know and have created a relationship with to go volunteer, right? That can open your mind to, oh, maybe volunteering could be fun. 100%. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, I think just having more doors, more opportunities, something that, you know, you mentioned with the Frisbee team, I think it could happen with almost any team, right? Or any group of people that you start to to meet. And yeah, I think Josh pulled me into, all right, let's go, you know, try out Frisbee. And so, you know, we go and had a good time. And, you know, I definitely couldn't throw a backhand at all, right? right. So that's the the flick or something like that. And it does start to limit itself out, but I, I don't necessarily know that that's necessarily a bad thing. We're able to bond over that. Whereas, you know, some of the people that may have left, maybe they found something else. It was another entrepreneur or something that said, try as many things as you can, right? And once you find something that you enjoy and are having fun with, pursue it as hard as you can. Right, all in. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's really hard to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. The great thing is like you can do that. And then if it doesn't work out, you just back out. Even the fraternity, right? There's people that join the fraternity and then they back out. So one value that, you know, the fraternity or kind of the slogan of Phi Gamma Delta, which is the fraternity I was in, was friendship is the sweetest influence. Okay, so you have these brothers. Obviously, they're not your brothers. They're, they're basically just friends. And your, your brothers are pushing you to, to, to be better and the fraternity is pushing you to be better. And so that's kind of an influence on, on yourself, right? It's the sweetest influence because you're having fun with your friends and then you're also pushing yourself to, to new limits. So that's one thing that I really think about in terms of like what the fraternity did for me, what friends do for me just in general is you kind of have more power. There's power in numbers. There's power in connections in life. You know, they tell you to network, at any job, really, if you're an engineer, you could be a computer engineer. If you have no social skills, if you have no networking skills, you're not going to get that job at Google. 
Yeah, right? I mean, you can you can be as smart as you can, but the soft skills are... And, and they don't really have classes for soft skills. You no. kind of have to develop them on your own. Something else that resonated with me was, you know, a, a mission statement for the fraternity. You know, as Paul and I are working and, and building the podcast, what are we really valuing, right? And I think once you, you kind of put a mission there, you can use that as a filter for decision-making, right? Is this pursuing this mission? If it's not, don't do it. If it is, okay, do it. And so I think having a mission, correct me if I'm wrong, friendship is the sweetest influence. Yeah. Yeah, having that and just thinking that, right, subconsciously, you're just going to start to believe that your friends are going to help influence you in the, in the best way possible, right? In right. the sweetest way possible. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so much power to having friends and then also being comfortable in your own skin and being authentic. So, you know, a lot of what happened in my life was doing theater. You know, you put yourself in these really uncomfortable situations. You have a lot of people kind of making fun of you for being in theater. You have a lot of people that are telling you, this is dumb, right? And it's not, it's, are you going to be a professional actor? Why are you even putting so much time into this? But then it's like all these things that I'm thinking about in my life, I wouldn't have even gotten to that point if I didn't push myself to do that or if I didn't, you know, have that skill. And you feel so great after like a, a musical or a play that you never felt that much adrenaline. Like even after winning a game, like in sports, it's nothing compared to after you complete a show. And you do your bows and you walk off. Just to let you guys know, that's why the drama after parties are so crazy. Because everyone's <laughs> hopped up on adrenaline. And you, you just never know what's going to happen. Listen, I've heard some stories, but, you know, this is... Then uh... times it by 10. <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to bring up that is an important part of my story that I think should be told on this yeah. is... Um, I have a brother who's on the autism spectrum. And so my whole life I was around people that were in the special needs community. And a big part of that is like a lot of eyeballs on you. And like, you know, I would go to the mall, right, with my parents and my family and we're constantly getting stared at. And so there's that feeling of like getting looked at. And I think you kind of build up like a thickness in the skin. Mm. But then another thing is that it, it really taught me compassion at a very young yeah. age. And, and when you're a kid, you know, kids don't have compassion. No, definitely not. Right. And so <laughs> like in, in elementary but school. Go real, ahead. Well, I just think that little, little kids before too many influences have pushed them into it. It seems like they're, they actually are compassionate, but I guess I just mean It's to really say, when they start school. It's really like once they get into school and it's, you know, you're trying to be cool. You're trying to be friend. You know, a lot of like being cool is like putting other people down. You know, how do you know who's cool or who's not? Well, the guy who's making fun of everybody, that's a cool guy. You know, that's kind of. Yeah, what it's, that's what it turns into at a very young age. And then eventually, you know, obviously it kind of changes. But the reason I bring that up is I have some very specific memories of when I was younger, you know, we used to have to get into groups and do math in like elementary school, middle school. And there was always kids that were like kind of in the special needs program, but they were still in some of the regular classes. And there were times when like maybe some of the other special needs kids are sick. And so there's only like one or two of the kids there and they need another partner and I would always volunteer to do that because, you know, I grew up in special needs family and like I kind of had somewhat of a connection to them. And so I would do that. And like, you know, by the end of it, you know, sometimes we would do our work, you know, and but sometimes we would like start goofing off like the other kids were doing and like having fun and have, making, you know, jokes. And I remember, you know, that I would get yelled at by like the regular teacher that was in the room, <laughs> you know, for like for goofing off. But then the aide would tell me, like, thank you so much for doing that because they need that they need that too. They need to feel comfortable right. in their skin. Yeah. Right. And um, 
you know, once you become comfortable in yourself to be like, I'm going to do something because it makes me feel good. And I don't really care that much about what other people think. It's not like you don't care at all what other people think. Cause I don't think that's super healthy, but I think that <laughs> not letting it affect you to do the things that you want to do. That's important. If you're doing something because someone else wants you to do it. And then you're like, Oh, I don't care what other people think, but I'm still doing this based on someone else's views. That's not really ideal. If you're doing something that you really like deep down and it makes you happy, you shouldn't really care what other people think. And I think that's what empowers people like me and other people that are really good at bringing people together, having a lot of friends, building connections, building a network. That is like the biggest power because if you're comfortable in your own skin and you're confident, you can touch other people and get comfortable with those other people yeah. very quickly. I know that's one thing that like when I'm talking to people, I kind of, I'm a very open book. So I'll say things like that. I'll tell a story that's very deep. And then instantly they'll start telling me a story that's very deep. And sometimes you have a conversation with a lot of people. It's very surface level and it takes a long time for them to develop a relationship where for me, it's like within like 10 minutes of meeting someone, I'm like, Hey man, I'm really self-conscious. Like, you know, like it's, I just throw it out there because I'm just like, either I'm going to be really good friends with you or we're not. You're someone that I'm going to like being around or not. So let's just figure this out really quick. <laughs> it's almost like uh, not wasting any time, not wasting the, oh, well, how's the weather? How's the this or that? And yeah. Like, sure. You can get into that. But like, you know, one thing in sales we like to say is like, you have to relate to that person on the other side of the call as quickly as possible to develop some kind of rapport. Yeah. Right. Just find one thing like, oh, I see you have a guitar in the background of your Zoom. Like you play guitar. Oh, I really love ACDC. OK, boom. Now we have something that we can talk about. That's not business. Right. right. That That's kind of ancillary to it. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are the, I guess, most difficult problems or is it hard to juggle a lot of different friend groups? Or how, how do you try to manage that? It's definitely hard. I'll tell you that. One interesting thing is like meshing the groups together. That is what's hard. Juggling different friend groups is it's all about prioritization and what you really want to do. And like when I was in college, I had all these different friend groups. And, you know, eventually you start figuring out what you really, really like and what you kind of just can do without. And sometimes, you know, you get something out of something and then you're kind of done with it. I was in this leadership institute in Akron and for the first like two, three years, it really helped me. I built connections. I ended up getting like a ton of scholarships from the College of Business that I would have never known about if it wasn't for the director of the institute telling me about them. But then like by the end of it, you know, there was only like one level left that was like a giant project that I didn't really have time to do. And then I kind of just fizzled out. So that sometimes can be the hardest part is like just telling people that, you know, hey, I'm kind of already gotten what I want to get out of this. I think I'm done here. Almost ending that relationship. Ending that relationship. Um, yeah, that can be tough. That can be tough. And then I think the other part is like, yeah, for me, I like to have, like, when I have a party or if I have a gathering, I want to invite other people from other things. And then people don't really like that. You know, <laughs> that's the thing I've noticed, especially as we get older. Yeah. Like one interesting thing that I'll clue you into is I had a party here recently and I had people from my fraternity, I had people from Frisbee. I had people that had inter riffs within the fraternity, like people that I, like I talked to everyone in the fraternity. I'd, I had some riffs, but nothing that big. These other people had bigger rifts, right? Just like interfraternity politics. Like he was the president and did that. I didn't like that. And I invited these people over. And then I noticed like, oh, that guy's standing in the corner. He's not talking to anybody. Oh, this guy's not really that interested in talking to this guy. And I was like, man, I'm like, we're still on that? Yeah. Like, I, we're I, 25, <laughs> you know? I noticed the same thing, right? Like there was a group of people in the kitchen talking. And maybe part of that is some people aren't comfortable like you are, right? Being able to chat and talk with, and 
I feel like that can definitely be difficult. I know that, you know, when we would have parties at our Akron house, you would invite the fraternity, Frisbee guys. I would invite like rock climbing people and, right. and everybody kind of almost stuck to their cliques even at right. the party. And I'm not trying to push anybody to, to do anything that they're, you know, super uncomfortable with. But I think one takeaway is that by building those relationships, by building those networks, by being open to new experiences, it can lead to a ton of opportunities. And I think when we're talking about trying to better oneself, having a thousand doors of opportunity is a lot better than, okay, well, this is the only thing I can do, right? right. And I think a lot of that, where that stems, and this is something me and my fiance talk about a lot too, and specifically with rock climbing as you know, one thing I noticed with rock climbing, there's like the people that are really into rock climbing, like the dudes that invite you to the red river gorge that want to like hike out in the woods and not be near running water in a bathroom for a weekend. And you're like, oh, okay, this is like the hardcore rock climbing people, <laughs> the full send guys like send it. Dude. <laughs> and then you have the people that are like, dislike going to the Akron rock wall and they liked it for the community and maybe not so much the sport itself. Right. And I think one thing I try to tell people, you know, when I've talked to them about, different friends and I have a lot of cousins that are going into college so I try to kind of mention them and like what I went through and how to get the most out of your college experience and most out of friend groups in general is if you're not super into something if something's not your niche and you know that you're never going to be the guy that is the guy who wants to go to the Red River Gorge and, and climb outside then don't feel like you have to pretend to be like that mm. don't be afraid to be kind of on the outskirts of a group like I'm the guy who shows up to every other meeting. I'm the guy who, who <laughs> likes this and is a part of it, but it's not, but like you're my, not gonna... it's not my number one priority. For sure. And that's that's the thing. If you don't do that, then you're going to be stuck coming to like one or two groups. You yeah. can't be the president of every club. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Paul's listening in and he just said, like Tommy with Frisbee. Right. And Exactly. But that was kind of how I was with a lot of things as well, right? So I feel like I can resonate with that. All the rock climbers would be like, come on, go, come on a, on a trip. And I'm like, Eh, I just like climbing here at the rock wall. Like I work here, you know, but then with Frisbee, part of that was going out and co-oping, right? So coming back after a semester it was tough when yeah. a ton of things have changed and maybe that's part of the uncomfortableness of buying fully back in. And I feel like we had a really good freshman year Frisbee team and I really bought in and was enjoying the different tournaments. But again, as more things kind of come on top, you only have so much bandwidth to take something from Rogan. You only have so much space that you can do things with, so much time. I would totally agree. Like if something isn't your number one goal, don't be afraid to still enjoy it when you want to enjoy it, but don't feel like you have to be someone that you're not, right? right. Is that... Yeah, and be open to going outside of your bubble, right? So like, you, you know, you're in the rock climbing bubble at a party or at a gathering or something, and you know in your heart of hearts, like, I'm not the biggest rock climbing guy. I just like it. I like it to a certain extent, but I'm not in love with it. Don't be afraid to start talking to other people outside of that group, right? And all it takes is a simple, like, hey, hi, how are you? Like, that, it's that easy. That's one thing I think about, like, it, it, at least for me, like, I feel, I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. Like, when I go to a party, I don't know a lot of people. I feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know who's hosting the party. I don't know. So I try to introduce myself, and I think that right away makes you stand out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, could help you just break down that easy barrier right away. Well, I remember a lot of parties were not randoms, but like people that didn't know me, but I lived it at the house that we were having. the party. And it was like, oh, who do you know? And it's not like there's, I guess, that kind of meme of the fraternity, like, who do you know here? But right. it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, who are you friends with? 
right? And mm. sometimes there were random people there and they just saw a party going on. And it's some of those people that are the most interesting, really. They're like, oh, well, I saw something was going on. I just wanted to come, you know, hang out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say doing that in the back streets of the University of Akron is necessarily the best thing to do. So I guess learn from our mistake and maybe keep watch on the door. But it also allowed for some fun experiences, for sure. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to ask, we kind of touched on it, but are there any other difficulties with being a social chameleon? Yeah, I think sometimes you can come across as disingenuous. That's one thing that I think... I struggled with in high school. I had a bunch of friends that were probably of the nerdier variety. We liked to play video games and were very focused on school. And then I was in drama club, right? And then, so then I was in playing tennis as well. So then tennis would interfere with drama. And so then I couldn't do the spring musical every year because I had tennis. And I tried to do both one year. And then my coach was like, you basically, you need to pick one. And I picked tennis. And so the drama people hated me because I dropped out of the play and they had to find a new person to take the spot. And so I t- had to deal with that ridicule. And then I would say I di- definitely went through a stage where I was like so confident and I almost got to the point where I was kind of cocky in a way, a little arrogant. And I think then my nerdy friends started being like, hey, man, we'll hang out some other time. And they, they stopped asking me to hang out as much. So that, that could be the, a struggle, right? When you're trying to fit into a lot of different things. So you kind of start shifting your personality so you can come off a little disingenuous. For sure. So we've talked about some of the difficulties, but what has been, I guess, kind of the biggest gain by being a unifier or being authentic or being friendly? What are the, I guess, perks of kind of being someone who has all those characteristics? There's a ton. The biggest one is probably having a group to rely on for when things get tough. I have so many friends that are experts or are pseudo experts in different things, so I can always have someone to call on. Or if you're going through a tough time, you can call on that person. And if you don't only have one or two people to call on, you might both be going through a tough time and you don't want to bother them with what you're going through. So then you call one of your other friends. And I think on the other side of it too is that you have other people reaching out to you. And then that's kind of really how you see who your true friends are, the people that actually reach out to you and ask to talk. And you just kind of have more opportunities to keep stronger friendships when you only have a couple of friends and you kind of lose some of them. You might be in a really weird position. Yeah. Especially if they're high school friends or college friends and they move away. And you're like, oh, I was kind of banking on that person being my best friend for the rest of my life. You could, you know, you could be in a weird position. And I think another thing is learning things about yourself that you can't come to that conclusion for certain reasons. So like for me, I was always kind of a little bit in my own shell, a little bit shy. And I think it took me getting out of my shell to realize, oh, I can be in sales. Like I always thought I didn't didn't want to be in sales because the pressure is too high because I don't want that pressure of a quota. I don't want that pressure of having to talk to people to rely on other people for your job or have it being all on me. And when being with other friends, like you kind of gain that confidence and then your friends tell you like, man, you can do this. Like you're good at this. Like you're obviously crushing it. You have the skills to do this. Just go out there and do that. And that's empowered me in my career to go from, and I started off in a sales position where I was selling a commodity packaged goods and it's not really high pressure it's basically do you have the right price do you have the right product okay i'll buy it from you to now i'm in a position where i'm selling tech i'm selling software and i'm selling a very high value software that could make me a lot of money if i sell a lot of it 
and it is high pressure. It is definitely not the least stressful job in the world, but it's something that I'm like, wow, I get kind of fired up to do this. And I would have <laughs> never gotten to that point if I didn't go through like the fraternity and becoming the recruitment chair and talking to other people and being like, wow, I could do this. I can convince someone to literally sign up for the fraternity. You know, oh, I can convince someone to sign up to play Frisbee. I was a Frisbee captain. And those are the things that I think I look back and I'm like, man, if I didn't do that, like, where would I be? Would I be stuck in some marketing manager job doing social media marketing that doesn't really have a whole lot of value for a lot of corporations, you know, and you kind of just are doing your presentations. You're kind of just going with the motions versus like now I'm in a position where I'm like, wow, I could actually like control my own destiny. I can go out there and make things happen. You're right. I can just build a relationship with somebody and turn it into a $50,000 deal. Like that's something that not a lot of people can pull themselves to do unless you've had a lot of positions where you've been in an uncomfortable position. You've had to make a relationship with someone that you maybe wouldn't make a perfect relationship with. So I think that's the biggest gain probably is that finding yourself in a position or doing things that you wouldn't have normally done unless you were put into positions by your friends or given the confidence from those friend groups. That would be the biggest one, I think. Yeah, I think that especially just in these past couple of weeks, I had some different things going on, but being able to reach out to people, being able to have 20 numbers in my phone to, oh, you're not available? Okay, I'll, I'll call this person. It's definitely good to have those resources for help when you need them. And I think it's almost like you can't carry a bridge on your own. It takes maybe 20 people to carry a bridge. And that's where it comes to just... I guess tangentially, it really does take a village to raise a child. There has to be a lot of different influences. And I think subconsciously when you're seen or surrounded by a lot of people that are pursuing betterment or pursuing greatness or pursuing whatever they want, that does provide that confidence. That does provide that want. And it's kind of like the more pillars that are holding you up the more wagons you attach yourself to who can also you know you can pull up or they can pull you up when you're down i think that's very vital right very important and i think one interesting thing that i was talking to my fiance about this the other day is that i love watching shows and movies from like 30 years ago like before the internet like hard before the internet 80s 70s 60s and i can never really figure out why and then we were talking the other day in the hot tub and i'm thinking about social media and i'm like perfect example I went to the barber shop and I'm waiting for the barber right and there's seven other guys waiting for the barber waiting for their own barber and what do we all do while we're waiting everybody's on their phones everyone's on their (laughs) so it's like what are you gonna do and I think about like before the internet what would we all do probably start talking because what was what was your other option read a magazine GQ so I think one thing that we've gotten away from a lot is just building relationships. And it's like, you you notice older individuals, like people that were alive well before the internet, they strike up conversations with strangers much more. Like there's always that meme, like, you know, your mom, you get into an Uber driver, your mom goes, so how long have you been an Uber driver? (laughs) You know, like my my mom is notorious for that. And my mom's also notorious for like, can I sit in the passenger seat? (laughs) That's like the worst. That's, That's one of the worst. And the problem is, is like social media feels like you're getting social interaction. So we feel like we don't need as much. Like, oh, I don't want to hang out with people. I don't want to go see people. Like, you know, you hear people all the time. Like, I don't want to just go out and be in public. They'd rather be at home on their phones. And the thing about the phone and social media is that it feels like you're engaging with people. You're getting some engagement, right? You're seeing people's commentary. You're seeing videos, photos. But you're not really building like a solid, you can't build a solid connection 
that well over the internet. It's basically in person. And so I think we're losing that idea of power. Like I think there's a lot of people like just wake up and grind, just do it yourself, like get up and you could just make anything happen in your life. And by yourself, it's really hard, right? Like imagine if you were doing Brace by yourself without well, Paul. Or without, I mean, right. It, it, you I, had to I, I was trying to. Right. And that's another thing that I, earlier on in the podcast, right? Just friends and, and kind of people that are going to push you right? Like having an accountability partner, right? Two people that are working towards the same thing. And I think the same thing goes for marriage. I had this idea of perfection, right? I had this idea that the podcasts that I make have to have to be super good. And, you know, I'm trying to do all the editing myself. I'm trying to make sure that I'm, I'm talking with the right people, getting all the questions down. And, you know, once me and Paul started working on this together, right? The wheels started turning. And especially once we started putting a mission to it and saying, okay, this is really what we're trying to give to listeners, right? And so having that accountability partner, having that person that is willing to push you when, when you're down and you're willing to push them when they're down, super vital. The relationships are just very important, especially in today's age. And that's, I think, why I really like podcasting, right? And that's why... You know, four years ago, maybe five years ago, I was like, I want to start a podcast. Right. Right. So cool to just sit one on one and just chat. Like how often do you and I just sit down for an hour, you and me one on one. Right. I mean, we'll do phone calls. Right. But this is a fun way to get to talk with someone, especially when we're, you know, focused on something, trying to help people, right. Trying to, trying to bring takeaways and you know, maybe it's silly, but I, I feel everyone should have a podcast. You know, you don't even need to to post it. Even if you just say, hey, let's let's set up mics and they're not, you know, touching anything. Mm-hmm. But let's just set aside an hour and talk with someone, right? Like, I feel like that's a really good way you can do it. And and just to go back, yeah, I failed on the other perspective, right? I, I wasn't able to put it out. So it's it's true. Having those pillars and you know, the grind mentality is only so good. It's, it can only take you so far. And I think that's one thing we're really missing out on is that, you know, the internet is great and you could take a class online. You could watch a video on YouTube and teach yourself how to do this. But it's a lot easier to learn to do your plumbing from a plumber than it is to do, learn it from YouTube. So I think one big takeaway is if, I, if you're just a random person listening to this podcast, you have no idea who Michael or Tommy are, <laughs> and you're just looking for something of value of this of this content. <laughs> the biggest thing I would say is like if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I wish I had a little bit more of a community. I wish I could be around maybe people that are entrepreneurial. I wish I could be around people that were active. I wish I could be around people that like going to breweries and drinking microbrews or wineries or I wish that I could do this instead of like just scrolling on Instagram and looking at the things that you want to do like go out and join a club go out and go to a running club go out to a winery club or a brewery you know do do those things and try to meet people and you might be surprised by the connections that you make you might be like wow I I never would have made this connection on my phone and that's it's not something to say like get off your phone it's more of like you will be surprised about the relationships you make and the power of one friend versus the power of the entire a thousand followers. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I have so many followers on Twitter and Instagram and I could care less about 95% (laughs) of them. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's totally true. And you know, I, it's almost a great place to stop, but you know, (laughs) I guess we kind of hit it. I said, you know, do we have any tips for someone that feels that they want to bring people together, uh, to be a part of multiple different groups, someone who unifies and breaks social barriers I guess the first thing is act, right? Get outside, go do something. 
right? And again, you're probably going to fail finding a group that you love immediately, especially if you don't know what you want, right? But if you try and you try and you try and, you know, maybe that person from the winery actually is able to, you know, set you up with another group. Maybe they have an interest in something else. I think it's a great takeaway. I think it's uh, a great lesson or maybe maybe action item, right? Something something for the listeners to do. If you're feeling a sense of a lack of community, go find a community. And if you fail, try again. Yeah, and if you have a friend group and you don't feel like you guys are meaty enough or, you know, maybe you've grown apart, you know, that happens to a lot of people. Ask them to, like, hey, let's all go get breakfast. And then sometimes something that I actually endorse is if someone gives you an excuse and they've given you like a ton of excuses and there's someone that you really care about be like, dude, like let's, let's meet up. Like I've done that (laughs) to some people like, come on, bro. I know you can come or come on. And I think that's, if you want something, you got to fight for it. Like if you, it's kind of like almost like those cheesy rom-coms where they're like, they kind of go back and forth. And at the end, the guy (laughs) or the girl is like fighting for that person. Like, come on, please. And that kind of, sometimes you have to do that in friendships if you really want them to last. And that's another thing. I feel like some people wait for that other person to reach out. If you care about a relationship and you want it to continue, then, then be the bigger guy, right? Or, or gal, right? Just, just reach out. Yeah. What's the harm, right? And then, then you kind of know where you stand. If, if they're standoffish and, you know, don't want to get together, then okay. Cut your losses, right? Find find another group of friends or, you know, another friend. But if you care about a relationship and wanting to make it work, you just take the extreme ownership, right? Go listen to season two, episode nine. Extreme ownership, right? Take it on as this relationship I want, so I'm going to try and make it, make it work, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, so... Michael, it's been uh, it's been a wonder having you on. I really think you exemplify those characteristics of friendliness, unity, and uh, authenticity. You know, so I know that I can always reach out to you and and chat when we want. Uh, and I know that I feel like you can call me whenever you know you're having issues. And you know, it doesn't always have to be issues, right? We can we can sit around and you know, karaoke last week was super duper fun. Yeah. So sharing wins. Sharing the wins. Yes, that's. Great point. But any anything in closing that you'd like to say to the listeners? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's been uh, it's been great ha- great being on Brace. Happy to be here. Uh, I hope that some of what I said was in, in, insightful. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm I'm not anything special. I'm not some guy who's went through a, a crazy life experience. But I've had different life experiences that have led me to this position where I feel like I'm in comfortable in my own skin, um, getting better every day, and you know. Being able to have different friends, have bring people together um, is something that I've seen very powerful in my life and that I hope other people can try to bring into their own life. Yeah, for sure. And I know you're being humble, but you are a special individual. Uh, I think I think everybody can be, right? And I think you've just you've put that your skills and who you are out there, right? And and you're willing to pursue it, right? And so not everybody's gonna be as much of a social butterfly as you, right? But Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, and you just have to find them. And so go out and find them, right? Right. Chief, it's been awesome. Love you, man. Love you too, Tommy. Bye. We ask you to follow us on Instagram at brace.22. Paul's Twitter is at Paul from Brace. And be sure to email us at brace22 
at protonmail.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening and send to a friend if you found value in this discussion. Thanks. We appreciate it.